As Pastor Kevin shared, we're approaching Easter and we're looking at important moments with Jesus, seeking to understand him, how he lived, and then how that should impact our lives. And so if you're with us here in Cherryville, if you're joining us at Lee Heighton, at Palmerton, at our e-campus, hello, welcome. That's, this is for all of us. This is the Lent season for each and every one of us. Who is Jesus? What did he do? And how should that impact who I am and how I live? When you looked at the passage that was just read, if you leaned into this moment here in Mark, what stood out to you? What do you remember from that moment? I don't know about you, but my memory is not great. It's never been my strong point. I'm not really a big remembering facts and details kind of person. I'm more of an essay person, not a multiple choice person. I don't remember little details very well. That's just not me. It never has been me. So when I see this passage, there's a lot of things that stood out to me that I definitely don't remember and a few things that I do remember. And I think for most of us, if you've been around church even a little bit, maybe if if you're completely new to Christianity, completely new to Jesus, you may remember some of these key things. The fact that Jesus is going to be betrayed, that's pretty central to Jesus. And you probably remember that, that Jesus was betrayed, that he died and he rose again. You might remember that. You may remember pieces of what we call the Lord's Supper, communion, the fact that Jesus took bread and the cup and there was something meaningful there. As we get into this passage, though, there's something that we're supposed to remember, or at least two disciples were specifically asked to remember that was supposed to be a sign that they were in the right place at the right time. And I don't know about you, but I didn't remember this at all. It didn't stick out to me as many times as maybe I've read this passage. Definitely didn't remember it. Two disciples, Jesus chooses, and he says, I need you to go and I need you to look for something that's going to stick out to you, something you're going to remember. What is it? You're going to see a man carrying water. That seems like no big deal to me. I carry water all the time. I do our grocery shopping. I get cases of water. I carry water regularly. But apparently, at this time, at this day, in this age, a man carrying water, whoa, that's a a big thing that didn't happen very often. We may laugh at that, but every commentary I looked at mentioned that fact. They all had to particularly point out the fact that a man carrying water would have been something to see. <gasps> a, man, a man carries water. There it is. And it worked, didn't it? The disciples went and they found this man carrying water and they beheld this sight and they followed along behind him and they, they found the place. Little did they know that of all the things in the next 24 hours or more that they were going to see, witness, be a part of, this would be the thing that they wouldn't remember more than anything else. They might remember that, but this was the thing of least importance for them to remember. This morning, we're going to look at this passage. We're going to talk about what we remember. We're going to look at this moment, and there's going to be some things that Jesus does that we're going to recognize we need to remember. But maybe more than anything else, we're going to talk about the value of remembering and very specifically remembering Jesus. Because as we come together, may we recognize as we begin, let's, let's hold this truth here in person, Lee Heighton, Palmerton, E-Campus, each and every one of us hear this wonderful truth. We're gonna face difficult moments. We're going to have challenges. We're gonna have moments where we're discouraged, where we're confused, where we're unsure of things, where we're not sure what's happening in life. And one of the great keys that we can do in those moments is we can remember Jesus. 
when we take a moment and we remember Jesus, it changes things. It changes things. So may God bless us now in these moments as we seek to understand the value of remembering and specifically remembering Jesus. May we remember who he is. May we remember what he's done. And for each and every one of us in our own unique way, may we hopefully lean into remembering how he has changed our lives. God, be with us now. We give you these moments. Help us to remember Jesus, especially in those hard moments in life. Be with us, God. We invite your presence here. We ask that you would fill this place and this moment with your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the challenges in my study of this passage here in Mark is to prioritize Mark's perspective specifically on this moment in history. So in the Bible, we're given four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four books that start the New Testament. They're called the gospels because they talk about the gospel of Jesus. They talk about Jesus's life and and the things that he did and the things that he taught. And so I do want to encourage you, if you haven't read scripture before and you're looking at reading your Bible, one of these four books is where you should start. I encourage you in that. Start in one of the four gospels. Now, here's the thing. Because they all talk about Jesus, all four of the gospels actually reference this moment moment in history. Jesus at the table, having this meal with his disciples. And so one of my struggles is to recognize that we've got four different viewpoints at this moment, but we're called this morning to look at Mark. So I I want us to understand really what the look and feel that Mark is presenting. I'm going to keep in mind what the other gospels have shared into this moment, but I want us to look specifically what is the feel of Mark in this moment? What does Mark want for us? Mark pairs two key moments without much of a break. First, at this meal, we have Jesus sharing how he is going to be betrayed. And then it quickly transitions into the second moment where where Jesus is sharing what we understand to be the practice of communion, the Lord's Supper. This pairing is in some of the other Gospels, but what details are given in each of those is slightly different. What do we feel here from Mark? What do we feel here with Mark? Jesus and the 12 disciples arrive for the meal. Our understanding is that others are around as well. I know one authority suggests that there's probably around 40 people here at this meal. That's just a guess. We don't really know that. But we know for sure the moment zeroes and centers in on Jesus and his 12 disciples. They recline for a meal. See, in this moment, meals, and this can be true for us too, but specifically then as a part of their culture, meals are bigger moments. You recline at them. You take your time. You eat a little. You chat a little. You eat a little. You chat a little. I would be horrible at this, by the way. This is not my style at all. I am, you can feel bad for my wonderful wife who is a great conversationalist, who is intelligent and has such good, meaningful conversations. She's wonderful at that. And I can, if we go on a date, I am great at if we're going to walk, I can talk, I can share, I can listen. If we do some kind of activity, I can have wonderful conversations. I can be great in those kinds of moments. But ladies and gentlemen, when the food is there, this is not the moment for that. Am I right? This is... No, like someone worked hard on that thing that's on my plate and we can talk later. We can just, it's just true. We can, let's go for a walk. I'll listen all you want to listen to, but like food right now, there's this thing here. 
And that's me, and I understand it. That's my problem, but I know I wouldn't be good in this moment. The idea of sitting and talking and then listening, this one, but this was their style then. This is what they did because these were events. Now imagine, though, you're in this very special event kind of moment, kind of meal, and then it doesn't take long for Jesus to kind of ruin it, doesn't he? I mean, who wants a meal where you're sitting there and you're chatting, nice conversation, taking something to eat, having a great time, and Jesus is like, oh, by the way, just an afterthought, one of you is going to betray me, I'm going to die. Yeah, this is, I just imagine being in mid-bite when that happens, right? You're like, and one of you is going to have me killed. What? And if you, didn't, if you didn't choke in the moment, you're probably looking at that chicken wing just thinking... This doesn't feel quite as appetizing anymore, does it? Like, the chicken wing doesn't measure up. The blue cheese is still fantastic. We all know that that's true. And if you're trying to say ranch, you're about to ruin this sermon. Stop yourself right now. (laughs) The blue cheese still holds up, but it doesn't, the appetite, it just, Jesus just took it right out, doesn't he? He just takes it right out. At this time, it was their custom. Meals are supposed to be safe places, Meeting together for one of these meals is supposed to be a place of honor and trust, of communication, of care. It's supposed to be a gathering of friends and trusted people, your loved ones. It is a safe place. And so here Jesus is sharing that one of them is going to break that in the biggest way. He clarifies a bit too, and this is where we see it centers in around the 12 disciples, doesn't it? He says it's someone eating with him, one of the 12, someone dipping the bread with him, probably in blue cheese, right? Yeah, no, just kidding. Probably not blue cheese, but that would have been great. But one of them right there, close to him, from the same plates and meals and bowls as him, right there with him. Here's the thing to remember. It doesn't say who here in Mark. From the other Gospels, we, we start to lean into Judas a little bit. And we know, if you're familiar with the story at all, we know Judas is that person. But does Mark mention his name in what we read? Do we hear Judas at all? It doesn't say that, does it? That's one of those moments I want to lean into Mark for just a second because he doesn't clarify. And so what happens? You have all the disciples saying, they're all thinking about themselves in this moment, aren't they? Not me. Not me, they're all saddened, but they all quickly inwardly focus. They make it about themselves. Here is Jesus sharing, he's gonna die, and all they're worried about is, oh, not not me, Jesus. You can pick up the tension in the moment. You can pick up the tension because in the NIV translation, they say, surely not me, Jesus. And Jesus doesn't even take the chance to say, and don't call me surely. He doesn't even do that. He has a chance. It's the setup, and he doesn't even take that opportunity because the moment is real, and it's heavy, and it's there. We feel it, and we know it. The atmosphere is heavy. The focus is on themselves. If we were there, I, I think we'd all say, well, I would focus more on Jesus. I'd, wanna, I'd focus more on Jesus. We'd say things like, Jesus, how can we help? How can we support you? Jesus, which one of us is, is it right now? I'll take care of that person. Well, there's... there's 11 more of us, there's just one of them. We'll figure this out, Jesus. We, we've got this one figured out. How can we protect you? How can we change things? But the honest answer is there before us. Not support, not assistance, and this would probably be us too. It'd probably be me too. Jesus, it, it isn't me, right? In a moment where the focus should be outward, everyone's gone inward. 
We get the feeling that the heaviness isn't just a heaviness of sadness, it's a heaviness of selfishness as well. In moments like this, we want to remember certain key things. Remember things that shape the way we live, the way we think, who we are. But for the disciples, and I think if we're honest, for us as well in this moment, in these kinds of heavy moments, it's so easy to get caught in ourselves. So easy to worry about us and our situation and our condition. But thankfully, in the heaviness, in the sadness, in the selfishness, Jesus offers something wonderful, a way to remember, and a truth about the power of what remembering can do. Remembering. Remembering the right, the key things. It has power, doesn't it? Think about your relationships. Relationships here on earth, some of the right things, if we remember certain things in the right moment at the right time, there is incredible power in that. Remembering has power. It just does. It's important. Whenever I'm sermonizing, that's what I call creating and writing a sermon. Whenever I'm sermonizing, I try to think about that, the fact that remembering is important. I keep that in front of me. With a good illustration, something I'm going to share, it's true that I want something, I want to share a story or something that's going to catch people's attention, it's going to draw you in, entertain you just a little bit, make sure you're not bored if my dancing around the stage isn't enough, I want to keep you, I want to keep you there with me a little bit, and so that's one thought of it. In another part in the illustration, it has to be something that drives the point or moves the moment along, it has to continue the conversation, it may not hit the point, but it it helps bring us to the point, it's got to connect things, and then the last thing is, and this is the big thing. The real big thing is a good illustration. I want something that we're going to remember because I want us to be able to leave here and like you have that click moment. Like if I can remember that thing, then I can remember the point. I can remember that thing that draws me to a truth. And that's what we really want. I want that to click to still be there because remembering is important. We do recognize some things that we remember. It's kind of annoying. There are some things that we would like to forget. Are there not those things? There are. Sometimes remembering is inconvenient because it does change the way we live and who we are, but remembering can be very powerful. I had a moment in a message with an illustration just recently that is probably going to be remembered for a while, even though I definitely don't want it to be. I wish I could forget it, but I will I will not. Are you ready for this? Lee Height and Palmerton online, are you ready for this? Because I'm not. I don't really want to share this, but I'm going to, because here it is. Here it is. I don't want to remember this, but I was sharing at a local Christian school's chapel. I won't get too far into the weeds on this with the purpose of the illustration that I was communicating in this to like complicate messages. So let's just say I was there sharing, and I was sharing about how my mother would hate if I got holes in my socks. It was like her greatest nightmare, because I would go to a friend's house, and I'd pop off my shoes, and the big toes sticking out, and that's like really embarrassing for my mom, but I was an active young man, and that was a really hard, that's a hard battle, because I was putting holes in everything. That was like my job in life, and so it was hard to hurt for her to face. In the message, remember, mostly the kids, there are some adults there, but you're zeroing in on the kids, of course. I was having fun pulling my socks on my feet up and cutting holes in them, just kind of to illustrate that. This was going over well. I had some bright socks. 
I was using these really good fabric shears. My fear was in this moment is not being able to make a good cut in the sock because if, if my big toe doesn't poke through, it's not the same. And I needed the illustration of putting my foot up there, dangling that big toe in front of everybody. Again, kids, this is a great moment, isn't it? Like you've got to get that out there and have this great moment, this wonderful visualization. But then it happened. Let me not take away from the fact that I messed up. Please hear this. This was my big fail. I failed in a big way. This was my mistake. There's no other way to do that. My big fail. Ladies and gentlemen, here in Cherryville, at all of our campuses everywhere, they were sharp scissors. <laughs> do you see where this is going? Do you understand what's about to happen? I wanted to make this big cut with my other sock just to like get that big moment in it, and it was working. And I was juggling a lot of things, a crowd of kids, I had a handheld microphone, my own energy in the moment, it was working. Those goals that I was looking for, attention, it was there. Drawing the message along, that point, it was happening. Something to remember, oh, they were gonna remember. It was about, it was about to be remembered. The truth is, my brain said, don't cut yourself. As I'm doing it, say, make a good sweep, big, like, don't, like, get it away from your foot. Don't cut yourself. And I thought I had everything set, and I cut. I cut. And a nickel-sized piece of my big toe came flying off. Not kidding. Huge. Huge piece flying right off. Room full of kids and some adults. I hadn't gotten to the point of the message yet. <laughs> Thankfully, I had this huge piece of fabric from my cutoff sock, and I held that like a vice, like a clamp to my toe for the next 10 plus minutes as I finished the message there. At one point, I had to pause. Thankfully, someone had brought, in, brought tissues up. I wasn't going to take the chance to put those on my toe. I had to keep that locked on there. But I quickly, I put the microphone down. I grabbed some tissues because I saw a teacher in the front row just eyeballing this big piece of toe that's on the ground in front of me, for real, just staring my toe down. Like, so I was like, I got to remove that thing so, so you can hear what I'm saying. Oh, it'll be remembered. I'll remember it. I remember I came back to the church here and I was trying to figure out how to make it stop and everybody was like, you're going to the doctors, right? <laughs> so I went to the doctors. I remember them pushing a foam thing into the end of my toe to stop it from bleeding continually. It sort of worked. I know they remembered. You could better feel that I love you because I've shared this story with you and you're going to remember. Let me just say, you don't ever have to bring this up. I know you're going to remember this. I know you know you don't have to let me know. I've got it. I've got it. We remember. We can't always choose what we remember. We can't always choose what will be remembered. But I want us to know we can try and it will make a difference. We can try and it will make a difference. Life is filled with moments where we get discouraged. Life is filled with moments where we tend to be, because of the world around us, we tend to get selfish, we get inward focused, we, we center on ourselves. Life is filled with moments where we forget the needs of others there around us. Life is filled with moments that blindside us, moments that steal our joy, 
Life is filled with moments where we end up being sad, filled with fear. We're unsure of the, the future. Life is filled with moments like the disciples faced there around that table. They're unsure, they're lost, they're worried, they're a bit too focused on themselves. And then Jesus took the bread and he took the cup and he said, remember me. And it all changed. It all changed. Here's the thing. This is what makes us as Christians different. So if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to church, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and you're checking this out, I need you to hear this. The thing that sets us apart in the biggest way is Jesus Christ. It sets, it sets religions, this is different because of Jesus Christ. Because God came to be with us. He lived and he taught and he died and he suffered and he rose again. It's different. This is different because of Jesus. And so if we will remember Jesus, even in those hard moments, it's different. It changes. Why did Jesus use the bread and the cup in this moment? I think because Jesus knew how important remembering him would be. He knew how it could be a change to any situation. And so he chose basically the two most things, basic things that are there all the time because he wanted them there in front of them in the biggest way at every moment. Even to this day, bread in thousands of forms, flat, toasted, butter, gluten-free, it's almost a part of every meal, isn't it? We go out of our way for the bread. We go to Texas Roadhouse. We go to Red Lobster specifically for the bread. Forget the rest of the meal at Red Lobster. Just give me those biscuits. That's all I want. We do that because bread is that important. It's there all the time. And the cup, well, we can fill it with different things, but there are cups at every table, are there not? They're there in front of us. Here at church, we often use grape juice. Why? Because we want more people to be able to have it, and it's kind of close to what Jesus, whatever. It's, it doesn't often matter so much what's there. We even say it when we serve communion to those online. We say, just use some water if you need to. Have the cup there because it reminds us of Jesus Christ. And we can remember Jesus. That will change everything. It will change everything. For the disciples, remembering Jesus meant remembering his life, his death, his sacrifice, his love, his resurrection. And even as Jesus hints while speaking to them here in this moment about the next time that he's going to drink, remembering Jesus will mean remembering eternity, will mean remembering a future. It's going to mean remembering heaven for them. For us, remembering Jesus puts everything in perspective. Our natural inclination is to be self-centered. It is to allow fear to rule. It, le it lets sadness take over. We forget others around us. Remembering Jesus naturally draws us to a better focus. First, we are reminded that we are loved and that the love was proven at a high price. When we remember Jesus, we don't need to spend this life looking for love, begging for love, sacrificing to others for love, giving things we don't want to give for love and attention because we recognize we are loved beyond our understanding by our God. We don't have to fight for love. It's there in abundance for us. Remembering Jesus provides us with love in every moment. Remembering Jesus guides us to how we are to live. 
And here's the thing, when we remember Jesus, when we don't have to battle for love, when we don't have to prove that love, when we don't have to focus on ourselves and our needs and saying, I need this and I need that and what about me? Remembering Jesus allows us to stop looking at ourselves and to look up to the world around us and to be love as well, to love God and to love others. When we remember Jesus, we are freed to see people for the disciples, right? To stop saying, surely not me, and to look around the world and say, what about you? Remembering Jesus does that. Further, remembering Jesus draws us to the feeling of hope, to a promise of the future, to an understanding that we have value and purpose. There's a plan for us. We have been thought through. We have intention and we can live with intention because there's a God who's invested in our lives with intention right here and right now. Now, this probably feels simple, and I think it's a part of our faith as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that's supposed to be. It's supposed to be simple. Think of Jesus. Think of, think of him often. Think of him everywhere. Put him in every corner of your life. Remember Jesus. Simply remember Jesus and see how it changes you. See how it changes the world around you, right? Amen. Amen. If we'll remember Jesus, we'll live different, we'll love different, we'll feel different, and life will change for us and for those around us for the better. And so it naturally draws us to this question as we close. What are we doing to remember Jesus? What are you doing right now in all areas of your life to remember Jesus? Lock that question in your heart and mind. I debated if as we close this service, if we needed to serve communion, because it's right here, but we served communion a few weeks ago and there was a little bit that I didn't want us to get lost in this because this sermon, this message, I wasn't drawn to it. It's not about communion. It's about remembering. And here's the thing. Communion is probably our coolest, most special way as a body to remember Jesus. But you and I need to remember Jesus more than just the times that we serve communion here at church. We need it more. We need it every day. We need it every moment. Remember Jesus and so let's focus and remember that. This message is about remembering him. This is the season of Lent right now. If I could summarize what Lent's supposed to be about in one word, it's simply that, remember. Lent is a season where we remember Jesus. The practices that we do, the stuff that we do, if you're like giving up something, that's supposed to just draw your mind back to Jesus. Think of his suffering. Think of his life. Think of his love. Remember Jesus. Focus on who he is and what he has done and let that change us. Be reminded of his love and grow, develop, empower our own love for Jesus. If we'll do that, so much in life changes. So I ask myself, what does this mean for us? Remembering. I've started to reach that age where as I get older, I do recognize remembering is harder, isn't it? It, it is a little bit more difficult at times and that's okay. But here's the thing, this isn't about age because remembering Jesus can be a struggle for all of us. The world is around us there for, in many ways, it's just trying to get us to stop thinking about Jesus. And so that's a struggle for all of us. In fact, I think for many of us who are younger here, you are in the midst of things and it is hard and maybe it's as hard for you as it is for any of us. 
as I process this, I actually asked myself, I even wondered, do we, do I always even want to remember Jesus? Because when I remember Jesus in certain areas of my life, I have to be different. Do I want to be different in some of those places? At work, in front of my computer, with certain friends, do I want to remember Jesus then? Because when I remember Jesus in all those moments, it's not about selfish me and what I want. It just can't be anymore. That's a good thing. But do I want it to be a good thing? So how will we strive to remember Jesus? How do we keep Jesus in front of us? I'll tell you this from my own life. Let me just tell you my Lenten season right now. This season is a busy season for me. I'm taking two Bible classes towards a master's degree, not because I need them, but because I have this strive to always be a better pastor. I want to be better in life in all areas. I'm like striving for that. But here's the thing that I've noticed in that. I can't allow my strive to be a better pastor to not allow me to be the best husband and dad I can be. Can't get in the way or it gets out of here. Can't be in the way. But I will also say that busyness isn't always a bad thing, and I can handle that. I can still be a good person and be busy. You can be a good person and still be busy. You can be discouraged sometimes and still be a good person like Jesus. You can have discouragement and sadness and tough moments and it can still be there. But what do we have to do? We have to be intentional in striving to keep Jesus there in front of us. And I need you to hear from me that I need to strive to keep Jesus there in front of me. So during this season, I've changed a few things. I'm not gonna tell you I'm reading the Bible more than I ever have in my life. I am listening to the Bible more than I ever have in my life. It's in the car all the time. I drive quite a bit most days and it's there playing. And it's, it's different. I have certain podcasts and music that I really like to listen to, but it's more important that the Bible's there right in my mind because I need, I need to make sure that's injected in my life. That's something that I'm doing right now. I've also started journaling. This is something I've never done before. I want you to know the things that I write are garbage. It's, it's junk. I will never read it again. I should probably burn the, the journals. They, it is garbage. It is junk. But you know what's not junk? Sitting quietly with God, processing things, writing about what I'm experiencing, my hurts, my frustrations, and how God is impacting that and how I want him and just different strives there and turning it to him. The journals need to be burnt. The moment is gold. Amen. What about you? Those are just two things I'm doing. There's lots of other ways for you. But what about you right now? I want you to know right now, if you're busy, if you're discouraged, if life is heavy, if you've got pressures, you can still be like Jesus. Keep him in front of you you can still be like Jesus. You can still be the person that he wants you to be in this world. Just make every effort to remember him. This is how we're gonna close in this moment. Our praise team's welcome to come and kind of get themselves set if they would like to. But I wanna give you just a moment of silence because here's the thing, remembering Jesus is so cool. It's, it's shaped so much about who we are. It changes everything. And so I want to give us just one moment of silence right now. And, and the first thing I want you to think about is I want you to just think about what it is about Jesus that you love. Because it's different for all of us. What has changed you because of Jesus in your life? How has Jesus changed you? I invite you to close your eyes. 
Give yourself this moment right now. How has Jesus changed you? How has he changed you? What about Jesus do you connect with? Is it that he loves you no matter who you are? Is it what he was willing to do for you? Is Easter a great reminder that Jesus suffered? You love that. Do you love the fact about Jesus? I love this one, that, that his suffering wasn't the end of the story. I love about Jesus the fact that my worst moments, this is an amazing Christian quote from Frederick Buchner. He said, the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves to us that our worst moments are never our last moments. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. My horrible moments will never be my last moment. Thank you, Jesus. Do you love his teaching? The ways he taught us to love? Do you love how he made it not about himself? Do you love how he he went and sat with the sinners? Do you love that he was able to see through a crowd and see through the person who needed him most in those moments? Do you love that when he hung on the cross, he was thinking about you? Do you love that he rose from the dead and there's new life for you? What do you love about Jesus? Right now, let it change you. Let it change you. As we sing this song, I would encourage you to think this thought. Sing the song if you want to sing the song or just listen to the praise team if you want to listen to the praise team, whatever you want to do. But lock in this thought. This feeling you might have towards Jesus right now. What are you going to do so you remember it tomorrow? What are you going to do so when you sit at home alone in front of your television or your computer, you remember Jesus? What are you going to do so that when you're at work and you're frustrated with somebody or something or just how work is, you're going to remember Jesus? What are you going to do so that when you're with your family and you're tired and you're stressed and your brain is on other things, you think about Jesus? What are you going to do so that one week from now, one month from now, you think about Jesus? I just encourage you in this, remember Jesus, let it change you. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the chance to remember him. For us as a church, may we continue to do things like communion and have so many other moments where we just help each and every one of us remember Jesus and what he's done. Help us in that, God. God, for each and every individual here, let us lean into this Lent season, but God, let us make every season Lent where our purpose is to remember Jesus. God, right now, let us put in some very real practices in life so that we remember Jesus. God, in our worst moments, in our tough moments, in our discouraged moments, like with the disciples, allow Jesus to be there. And God, fill us with hope because when we remember Jesus, we change. We change. Thank you, God, for that truth. Be with us now. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close?